Welcome to The Cherry Picker, the horror movie podcast where we like to kill people. But not really. I'm your host, Zach Cherry, and with me as always is... Eddie of Edward is Truth. And today we're talking about Scream, released December 20th, 1996. And this is our very first episode. Yeah! Yeah. So <laughs> I guess right off the bat, just because we're in like Scream High right now, we had the new movie yes, come we out. Are. And we're not going to talk about the new movie or any of the sequels but i just wanted to like really kick this off with i guess introducing you to everyone because like first of all i don't think anyone really knows you unless you're uh familiar with my patreon so why don't you just like open the floor and talk about your first experience with scream and maybe Share a few things about yourself that, that you'd like uh, my audience, which is soon going to be our audience, to know about. Right. Absolutely. Um, okay. Uh, hello. My name is Eddie. Hi, Eddie. Hey. And I'm a longtime horror fan and addict. Uh, <laughs> but uh, with Scream, um, uh, uh, exposure, I was alive in the 90s, so I did not, see, well, I did not see it in the theaters. I did get to experience it via uh, VHS. Got to see the director's cut. Uh, or, you know, whatever, <laughs> the extended cut, the uncut version, the unrated version that had, you know, all that just, stuff. Just a, just a quick question. <laughs> where did you, where did you find that? Like, is it because I've heard that there's some VHSs that have that available and I've never seen that. I think it was it must have been a special pay-per-view event or something like that. And um, I got it via my sister who got it via a friend of hers who, I guess, taped it off of this pay-per-view event or whatever and made a copy because, you know, you could like put two VCRs back in the day side by side, hook them up and burn copies for yourself. Okay. She brought it over and um, I remember watching it and I only noticed, I think, two differences uh, in the entire movie and it was just when they were both in the opening sequence too and I've never mm-hmm. seen on Wikipedia anybody attest to anything beyond that but I know for a fact that um, when Casey sees uh, Steve uh, bleeding out and everything you see his intestines spill onto the concrete right. at his feet literally out of his like and you see area. his hand like <laughs> squeeze it because he wasn't his one hand isn't actually tied down uh, so he oh, had to, the actor had to like physically like pump this thing right. that had like the guts I mean, spilling out. It, it still is so quick, but literally yeah. like your eye goes to the intestines spilling out onto the concrete. Like that's that's where your eye goes. Yeah, that's where yeah, mine totally. went. I only watched it like two or three times, and then um, and it was gr- grainy. You know, it was a copy of a copy. Mm-hmm. But um, I do. And, and then the other thing I remember was um, the walk toward Drew toward Casey. Uh, in her father's footsteps was much slower. Um, actually, and I thought it was slower, but I listened to the uh, Wes Craven and uh, Kevin Williamson commentary for the first movie, and it wasn't uh, that they sped it up. It was that they eliminated frames right. uh, as per the MPAA. So there were a lot more frames, so it looked more like footsteps going toward Casey Becker. And it was a lot, I have to say, it was a lot creepier. Because, I mean, the way they kind of, you know, uh, not even dollies, but just kind of goes toward her, uh, the way it is in the uh, theatrical version that we're all familiar with, it's... It, it has a very kind of, ah, I don't, you know, I don't want to be around you uh, feel. But to take steps toward her, it had... It filled me with a lot more dread. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. That's close enough. Yeah. That's close enough. Ah! And then it lingered on her a little bit longer right. before. There is also yeah. uh, some additional footage cut later on 
uh, in the finale where Billy and Sue are stabbing each other. So I guess it was a little right. more graphic with what it showed of that. But but other than Whatever that, I think was, those are it... the, the three instances of, of, of what okay. was mostly cut. Anyway, sorry, please continue with your grainy first experience. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I can't remember if it was a rental or what, but I remember watching it alone late at night. It was a mistake because um, it worked. It was scary because um, I think by this point, I, I didn't really know what to expect from Wes Craven because, though, uh, I loved New Nightmare, which I think was the last movie of his I saw prior to this. Yeah, 94. Um, yeah. Um, even though I loved it, I don't remember really being terribly scared of it. So I thought, oh, and it's going to be like a teen thing whatever but i had no spoilers going in so it was just happening to me and uh and i i am such a can i say the the b word (laughs) okay i am such a bitch when it comes to uh the mystery of a movie i rarely know what like the whodunit is or anything like that so when it finally got revealed like i was suspecting everybody left and right the whole movie and i just went ah and um i just remember uh, when, by the time it was over, I was just kind of like, well, Wes is back, you know, yeah. Wes Craven. He's ha- back, ha- baby. Returned. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, well, bitch. That's um, me. <laughs> <laughs> my experience, uh, was kind of the complete opposite because I saw it with a lot of people and I was very yeah. much spoiled going into it. It was my 12th birthday party and, uh, I just had, you know, a bunch of friends over, um, you know, my mom, you know, got a cake and, and all and pizza and all that stuff. Like uh, we lived in a building yeah. that had a swimming pool. So it was like, it was, it was just like a, a big event plan. And she was like, well, do you want to like go to the video store and get a movie? Um, just so mm-hmm. you guys can watch. And I'm like, sure. And I didn't know what we were like going to get. So we went to the yeah. video store and I think that like my mom actually picked out the movie. I'd never heard of scream before. And this was 1997. So it would have been like within the first year uh, that it was released. And yeah. I think, like, she knew that, like, I loved things like Goosebumps and Are You Afraid of the Dark. That was kind of my gateway into oh. into horror. Um, yeah. And, and I think, like, at that time, like, I was probably, like, transitioning out of it, like, you know, earlier in my childhood. Like, I really loved that sort of stuff. Because I had seen a few horror movies at that point. I think, like, the, the two or th- horror movies I, I saw were actually... The first one was uh, uh, Tales of the Crypt Presents Demon Knight. Uh, and uh, okay. what was the other one? Witchboard 2? Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure what the, the secondary title on that was. But though, it, I, it, 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 it was enough to like intrigue me. So I think that she knew that I was like leaning towards the horror genre. So she's, I guess okay. she had heard of it. And was okay. like, oh, I hear this is really good. Because at that point, like, Scream had had so much, like, word of mouth. Um, right. And I guess she was just a cool mom, I guess. So, like, thanks, mom, right. for being cool. <laughs> and and a bit clueless. Just kind of like, oh, no, Goosebumps, great, you? he'll like this. No, I mean, just in terms of, like, it's got teens in it. Yeah. It's, it's. I'm sure it's, you know, just fodder. <laughs> like, you know, it'll yeah. probably have something spooky like a witch in it. It's like, or something it's like, like, the, like archie or something right like right. pre-riverdale but um pre-riverdale before archie was sexy yeah, yeah. so anyway and had abs so anyway we <laughs> were like all here at the like at my party and we put on scream and of course like a few mm-hmm. people had already seen it and then like the first word out of their mouth was like oh well the killers are billy and Stu," and 
I mean, at the time, I didn't really register that as, like, being, like, ruining the movie. Like, it wasn't a spoiler for me just because, like, I wasn't anticipating, like, a whodunit. I was just like, oh, yeah, a horror movie. So, I mean, like, in retrospect, yeah, that was really, like, shitty. And I wish that they hadn't done that. But for me, it was, like, the entire time I kind of, like, I was, like, I was still, like, you know, going into the, with the mentality that, like, you're not telling me the truth like that's a lie or whatever but by the time we got to the end and i'm like okay because even there was the misdirection of the the fake out kill for billy so i think even mm-hmm. at that point i'm like see i knew you were lying and they're like no just you wait and i'm like oh my god like you could have let me like ride yeah right oh you could have redeemed yourself yeah um <laughs> but i mean it didn't it didn't like change my perception of the movie overall because i think like coming out of that scream really became like just a door to all of these other movies uh, because like from there you like that was my first introduction to Halloween as well when you have the characters at the party watching it on the screen and I always remember that the 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 creepy like Laurie Strode theme that plays as she's walking across the street which is like the the part of the movie that uh they're watching when Randy picks up the phone he's like hello yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it just like that was so haunting. And it just like you've got a cat on your shoulder too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Say hi to everybody. You uh um, <laughs> she's yeah. gonna be here a lot, folks. It Go was, on. <laughs> maybe we'll see her butthole if she turns a little bit too. Yeah, she probably yeah. will. <laughs> she just wants to be a part of things. Yeah. Go we, on. <laughs> yeah. And it was just it was one of those like like pieces of music that was so haunting. I'm like, I need to watch Halloween. And then from there was like Friday the 13th, mm. Nightmare on Elm Street, oh, like Evil wow. Dead, all that stuff. So it so like you it, got spoilers for Friday the 13th also by well, hearing the phone call. In the I mean, at this point, like <laughs> that is pretty much like the same thing as like Darth Vader being Luke Skywalker's father. Like, oh my God, if you're, spoilers. If you're born, <laughs> and we've had this conversation off pod before. Yes, like, we have. If you're born at a certain time. So it's like, and this is like for gen z kids today like if you didn't know that billy and Stu were the killers in scream and you found out about that like you don't have anyone to like that's nobody's fault other than your parents because they just yeah, like just have say. you in yeah. this at, like at this point in time so it's just like yeah. my mentality always like going into a movie if it's like an old movie that i you know hadn't seen but i could have seen like my entire life is just like well yeah. like it's old. There's like information is going to be out there about it. Like, I think that like the statute of limitations for spoilers, uh, I would say at least like a year. And that's really generous because, uh, you know, in this wow. day and age where things are available, like everywhere, like, you know, uh, sure. movies are available for streaming within, I think it's like 45 days after it's released. Maybe I'm off on that number, but uh, it's, but we're the the market yeah. is pretty much saturated with everything like once it comes out. So, you know, sure. I know that spoilers are really a thing that is annoying, especially for this new movie. Um, and it's hard mm. to avoid them. And it's like one of those things where you yeah, have to like you have to avoid social media. Fortunately, there's not a lot of movies totally. like Scream that are like predicated on knowing this information. Um, so I don't yeah. I don't think that like spoil like having certain plot elements spoiled 
is you know you're going to find that frequently if you're just going online and stuff but uh well plus plus if something is in the zeitgeist and it's kind of like you know a mainstream success immediately people start with the satires and like you know like they'll do satires of it on the oscars or um now online like people on their tiktoks are already probably satirizing the new scream movie so but like on that point to I, I just want to say that I don't think that the reveal of the killers or like the mystery of the Scream movies is the most important thing about them. I wouldn't even say that it's like, mm. you know, high up there because I mean, like, you're only going to see a Scream movie for the first time once. And mm. every other time you go and revisit it, you're not, you don't have that mindset of just you don't know who the killers are. So really, like, that is a very important aspect the first time you see it. But every time after, like, I don't you know, like rate each individual movie primarily on who the killer reveal is or like how much of a surprise it is. Because like even in the first Scream, that's not really that much of a surprise. Like those two goofballs are acting like super sus. Listen to me talking like a Gen Z. (laughs) Super suspicious the entire thing so it's yeah. like you know by the end like there there is some misdirection but it's it's not one of those like i love it for so many other things like i could probably list mm-hmm. 25 things that i like about scream yeah. that are above like oh and there's a killer reveal and i never like saw it coming so mm-hmm. i don't know but i think it also joins the league of a, a bunch of other like spoilery movies where it's like there is a twist there is a reveal there is something that you probably should not know going in but if you know they're well made enough like a sixth sense or a psycho or or yeah. a scream where you can walk into it kind of knowing i mean you did <laughs> basically mm-hmm. knowing like you know who the killers are and then there are things that will make you start to doubt it i know i've experienced that when i've shown people i've had a, a handful of people who have never seen psycho before and i'm like and you don't know anything about it? They're like, no, it's about a guy, right? And I'm like, oh, we're stri-. and I'll <laughs> don't tell I'll me it's about a guy. I thought it was about a girl. No, I'll just screen it for them, and I'll just like watch, you know, quietly. <laughs> and they'll they'll think they have it figured out, and then there's like a curve, you know, there's like something that happens, like yeah. kind of like uh, Billy's death, you know, in Scream, uh, where they're just kind of like, wait, wait, so. I don't know. Maybe oh and I, yeah, those I love are the kind of people that. who <sighs> probably like make really good like YouTube movie reaction videos. And oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not needing to throw any shade, but like those are my least favorite kind of videos. <laughs> I'm just like, it's like first time watching Scream. And it's just like, uh, are you giving, like, like there's no way. <laughs> Every single one of these movies is just like, were, were you like, like born on like, an Amish commune or something that like you you had no access to these movies growing up. I mean maybe that's the case. I'm sorry, I don't mean to to offend anyone who actually does have that exact same situation. Anyone from the Amish community who might yeah. be watching. But you know what? They're sinning if they are because, you know, anyway, we won't go into it. But you know, then sin um, on also, but, sin on. But there's like young people yeah. who are like coming up who are like trying to come into their horror. I've seen like in comment sections or whatever like people just kind of being like so i i just got into horror what would what are some gateway things you'd like recommend for me because i've only seen uh, you know uh, i know what you did last summer or something like that and it's like mm-hmm. oh my goodness darling you know like and, P- and you and I'm, and you scroll on to see what people are commenting and i'm like okay they're taken care of they got <laughs> you know they yeah. they got some slashers in there they got some werewolves they've got some aliens they've got some haunting movies okay we're, we're you're on the right track i don't need to comment today what? Um, <laughs> in terms of scream yeah. like where is it, where does it not necessarily rank um you don't need like a specific number but like if you like think about your favorite horror movies, is it in that list? 
It must be because I, I know you basically... have you have different tastes than yeah. I. Yeah, but we do share some yeah. of the, some similar uh, ideas. <laughs> I mean, I basically have the first movie memorized. I mean, not as well as you do, but yeah. I, um, I I feel like when I watch it, it's very rare that there's a surprise. But when there is, I'm really, really excited about it because it's, you know, it's like a minuscule thing that makes like a huge difference, like almost like in a ripple effect. Like, oh, I never noticed the way that glance was cast or, you know, something like that. Um, but um, yeah, I'd say, I mean, I own it and I don't own many films. I mean, I don't have, I'm looking at the collection behind you. I mean, I have my own, but... Yeah. It's it's not that vast. It's a few shelves. <laughs> and dwindling down every day, I'm going, don't need that. I just need... Oh, That's like the basics. opposite of me. I just keep adding to it. And, I know. And I like double and triple dip. Like That's, that's, that's a, a, a thing for another time. Um, I know. <laughs> By the 100th episode of this, you'll just have like a, an entire array. It'll just be stacks behind me. Yeah. And... <laughs> you'll just be, hello. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, but, I mean, say... it's pretty high. I love oh, it. No, sorry. How are you? You finished your thought first. <laughs> but I, no, I love it. So, yeah. I mean, I, I don't really, I, I, I don't kind of, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? No, I, <laughs> um, I do that, but um, no, I, I don't like kind of examine the blood over why something speaks to me and why it's going to stay on the on the shelf. The actually, the thing is, I find myself making a case more so for something to come off the shelf rather than stay on. If something's going to stay on the shelf, it's because oh, I'm not getting rid of that. Scream, well, and I, you know, I have the little trilogy blue. So I don't know I'm anyone who would get rid of Scream. Like that's. No, that's a, a I don't frightening know. thought. Um, I think for me, it's definitely. I mean, I never wanted to say that it was my favorite horror movie because you know there are movies that you know I would consider like The Thing or The Shining that mm. are you know the ones that change your life or just like you you mm. see a hundred times. But I feel like within like the last couple of years of just you know starting my channel and mm -hmm. Scream kind of like choosing me like i like i just started like covering content on like covering these for the upcoming screen movie and that was like the ticket to really you know start to grow my channel so it was just like okay well mm -hmm. i'm gonna keep doing scream and then i kind of like rediscovered them all over again and at this point i'm now just like no like i i'm pretty sure like i would put scream like if it wasn't my favorite i don't know i'd have mm -hmm. to like really do a deep dive and, and just kind of like <laughs> look inwards to, to, to see like yes. what is your favorite horror movie but it's like Scream has got to be at least top three at, mm. at this point for me just just because it is so influential and going back to what you were saying before um, how like there are so many things that like when you you watch Scream over and over again that you notice new things and I think that's just like such a testament to Wes Craven uh, and really everyone involved but like especially Wes um, because there are so many layers and like textures to this movie that yeah. <clears throat> like all together, well, like when it's all combined, you don't really like pick out certain things here and there. Um, but it's like every single one of those things, like is, it's just like a, like a small cog in a, in a bigger thing that makes scream such a like enormous, incredible movie that it is because I mean, like right. even like the, the, videos that I do, like the Who Killed Who and stuff, like really delving into that and just seeing like, okay, well, I never noticed that before of just like a, like a certain nuance of how the killer is, 
attacking mm. Casey. And that's, and you know, I know that this is one of the things that a lot of people challenge me on uh, in terms of my who killed who is that yes. everyone is absolutely certain that Stu is the one that killed Casey or just like the one that brought the knife down on her uh, on the front porch. Um, mm -hmm. Just based on the fact that she takes the mask off and it's like, well, she recognized him. And it's like, well, she could have recognized Billy as well. Like they're, yeah. they went to the same school. Like it's, it's Stu's friend. But the thing for right. me was that just like he was strangling her. And we see at the yeah. end of the movie that, you know, when when Billy's on top of Sydney and mm -hmm. he's like, say hello to your mother for me. And like he starts strangling her the same way. Mm -hmm. um, so just like, you know, it's just one of those directions that Wes Craven like would have given the cast just to be like, you know, and I know like in interviews with with Matthew and Skeet, like people are always asking them, like, do you know who killed who? And they always like have the same thing. It's just like. Well, I don't know. We never like had those conversations. And it's like, well, of course yeah. they didn't. Like Wes isn't going to like take the time out to be like, and, and you know, maybe some directors will do that. But I think like with someone like Wes sure. Craven, like he's probably thinking about this movie on so many different levels that he just like yeah. hopes to, or at least like with the cast that he found knows that like they have a trust with one another, that they're just going to do the things that he needs them to do. And it's all going to make sense in the end. So I think yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's just really a testament to, like, the cast as well. Because I think that with Scream, it, it was lightning in a bottle with everyone that ended yeah. up in that movie. Like, uh, Kevin Williamson, Patrick Lussier, mm -hmm. who edited the, the movie, who I never hear anyone talk about him. Like, he never gets enough credit. But it's just, like, those first three Scream movies especially, because um, he didn't edit yeah. the fourth one. But it's just, like, you can really tell, like, the difference from, from like, three to four of just, like what happened there? Um, because like, he, he, I mean, what happened is that he went off and like started his own career as a director, but, sure. uh, but just even like as that crew and it's like, it, it's almost like shades of, of John Carpenter because, you know, in mm. his heyday with, you know, all the movies like the fog and the thing and, and all that, like it was the same crew. Um, I don't know if Deborah mm -hmm. Hill was worked on the thing, but it's just like, you know, Dean Cundy, um, mm, yeah. Tommy Wallace, like all those people like work together. And that's kind of like what it felt like with Wes Craven on those first three movies because it was a family. And I know like for a fact, like they did, yes. a lot of those crew did go on and like do other movies with him, like Cursed and like Red Eye, mm. I'm pretty sure. I mean, mm -hmm. unfortunately those didn't turn out the way that they wanted. And you know, that's the studio's yeah. fault. It has nothing to do with, with Wes or anyone creatively. <laughs> But, uh, but he, being the gentleman that he was, I'm sure he would have like owned his part yeah. in it. But um, one never, thing that you, <laughs> I was yeah. just gonna say, like he never like badmouths anyone. Like if you listen to the commentaries on oh. any of the movies, he always praises people, even when it's like I disagree with what he's saying. Just like no, that person did a shitty job. But he'll be like, oh, did a wonder. <laughs> like he's just such a nice like, yeah, person was a nice person. Uh, I, so every uh, so many of the members of the crew that I've seen interviews with through the years who have spoken about him all say the same thing that he had less of a vibe as a director given you know the other directors they had worked with and he felt more like their favorite English professor you know yeah. like English lit and um, also because they would have those conversations like he was always capable of the, that level of conversation but at the same time he was all he he was a master of juggling the art form with the business side of it too. Like you were talking about, um, that's another thing. I think he's just kind of a master juggler, Wes Craven. Uh, the more I'm now just having this thought while we're sharing these thoughts, because one of the things that stood out to me, um, 
always with this movie was the attention to detail. And the more I watch it, the more thing I start picking up on things and going like, oh my goodness, a parallel there and a parallel there. And also your videos have certainly helped uh, point welcome. out things to me that I, well, the first conversation <laughs> we ever had, like you're, you're telling me <laughs> um, that like Nev Campbell is packing, Sydney is packing, um, her, you know, for her um, sleepover at Tatum's, yeah. and she's got the very outfit she's going to wear. Yeah, well, we, 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 the, in, in the, the next day, in the scene, scene when she like comes that. down the stairs after like the phone call with Tatum, where, where she's just like, "Okay, oh, yeah. stay over there." Yeah, and you see her come down the stairs, and it's before she opens the closet. And you know that you get that. Ooh. Um, yeah. But you see her like she's holding her jeans and her like pink yeah. shirt, which is the the mm-hmm. wardrobe that she wears for the next day, and it was just like. Oh, I never noticed that. Like, it just like things like that. Like, he was always like on top of everything, yeah. just thinking of like what one scene from the next, and even like it, like because she at that point she's wearing the gray sweater, and yes. you see like d- d- the entire day like during school she has the sweater tied around her waist. So it's like I love yeah, that yeah, about yeah. like this going down to like the most minute details of even the wardrobe. Yeah. And I know that, like, you know, in terms of, like, wardrobe and color, like, we've talked about this a lot, too. And maybe we'll talk about more of that on the the sequel when we eventually do Scream yeah. 2. But there's just, like, just the way that, like, the, they play thematically into the character's role in the movie as well. Like, it's just things like that. And, you know, maybe that's not entirely Wes Craven. You know, it, it, you don't take credit away from the, the wardrobe department. But, right. you know, still <laughs> as the director of the movie, like, you know, he has the the final call on that so and i think that's why like the the first scream movie really is the best i mean i know there's people out there who will challenge that and say that there's you know a sequel that is actually better than the original you know what like that's you know if if you believe that like the the fair enough but the fact like yeah like (laughs) be that as it may like this the original scream is the only one that really didn't have any tampering from the studio I think the yeah. most the most interference, which really like turned out to be a good thing, was that Bob Weinstein uh, thought that you know there wasn't any death scenes for like a really long stretch of time uh, in the movie, so that's why they added in the oh, the, yes. the principal Hembry death. Hembry, and I, I think it was even his idea to have the like the reflection of Ghostface in the eyeball. So, mm. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. So I mean, like, I don't, you know, yeah, I don't, they, I, he did mention that. I don't. So not a exactly, not like sure, yeah. totally horrible, but you know, that's a, a huge pr- producerial duty. Actually, is to just get out of the way and trust the people that you hired. If more producers and more studio heads did that, I think we'd have a lot more great movies to talk about. But whatever. Um, but uh, to finish my thought about like the master juggler, because uh, the attention to detail always stood out to me, but. Uh, this most recent uh, watch when I just was kind of like just had the commentary on just to kind of like keep it in my head um, to hear the amount of times he because you know you think oh my god and it's such a smart script like Kevin Williamson and everything and, and Wes Craven directing those actors that way a huge part of <laughs> some of our greatest memories from the movie have been improvised and sometimes with Wes's you know direction to just be like we don't have like a button for this scene or we you know I don't know what to do with it if you want to say something you know once they got what they needed do another take and this one for you just kind of do something that you feel like and people like Matthew Lillard could really you know <laughs> blossom and bloom because Stu's a very different character on the page than he is in the movie through Matthew Lillard's like you know interpretation and but see that kind of like attention to detail balanced with a kind of freedom 
I'm, I'm a huge fan of directors who know how to give all the people they're collaborating with, the actors the, and other members of the creative team behind the scenes, when they know to give direction um, and boundaries, but to give freedom within those boundaries so you can really start to... That's what collaboration is. You know what I mean? Like someone who's in charge and who says yes or no, but ultimately gives a person who's much more talented than you are at this particular field the freedom to experiment and to feel like they like like something great you know could happen um and i yeah i really i feel like that uh from Wes craven throughout his career and i haven't heard anybody really contradict and that, i think the thing so. with scream um that maybe like a lot of people don't know about is that like Wes craven's career was kind of over at that point mm-hmm. like just like with new nightmare uh like mm-hmm. the, like the early 90s like were not good to him and that was like like new nightmare bombed and like the studio didn't want to take a chance on Wes Craven. Like they, it was, they were gonna fire him apparently uh, at the mm-hmm. beginning. So he like did the, uh, they filmed the opening scene with with Casey Becker first because he wanted to just like get that done and show them that he could do it. Yeah. So it was almost like with, with him, not so much starting over, but just like really having to prove himself that you know he yeah. was worthy of doing this movie. And, you know, it's, it's like it's crazy to think that, you know, someone of his caliber as a director would have to do that. Um, yeah. But I think that just because of that, he, you know, and I don't want to say that, like, you know, going into other movies, like, I don't think that he would just everything that I've seen from him, like, he would not be the kind of director who would develop this, like, diva attitude after, like, having this huge breakaway hit no. and going into, like, other movies. Because he, he was always so, like, sweet-natured and down-to-earth that I think that... Mm-hmm you know, going forward, because he did want to, like, allow people to collaborate and, like, do your thing, because, like, he recognized the talent in people. But I think, like, probably with two, three, and four, it it got to a point where there was so much studio interference, where it's just, like, his hands were tied, and he couldn't do anything. But it's just, like, and and we'll mention this more when we do get to the, the later entries, but there was definitely, like, a sense that I got that, like, despite, you know, like, how much interference there was, like, he always... Mm-hmm. went above and beyond like you know even if like the script was not good and it was like it just seemed like you know there was nothing to salvage like he went in there and just like gave it like a hundred percent made the movie the best mm-hmm. possible version of the movie that it could be um and i think that yeah. the reason why scream one is so good is just because like he it, it it's like everything just came together like he was already like going above and beyond but nobody was getting in his way mm-hmm. so it's just like that's why that movie is so successful and so popular today. And he would be the first person to acknowledge the perfect storm of people with whom he was working on this film with. Like, he he names them, like, you know, just, like, throughout the entire commentary. It's just name after name after name after name. Mm -hmm. Um, In, in, you know, like, uh, in praise of, like, you know, what they've done, like you said. But but it's nice to know that, like, he knew, and, and Kevin Williamson certainly knew, too, like, Wow, this is really coming together. Like this is really, we're really, really lucky to be where we are right now. And they behaved like that, and everybody did. I mean, I, I just saw an interview, uh, a recent interview uh, via Skype with um, Skeet Ulrich and uh, Matthew Lillard, um, discussing that time. And it's so funny because they were both so incredibly grateful to be discussing this thing that they cared so much about and that they invested so much in. And they said, but it's so funny because people ask us all of these questions like we just filmed it. 
and they don't realize like it's been it's been over 20 years yeah. folks like the memory goes like, not, you know <laughs> yeah i mean like just just in terms of yeah. like you and i or anyone listening who's not an actor i know you are an actor though but um just like for <laughs> whatever your career is or your regular day job so like for instance right. like i used to be a server for like a really long time and that would be like someone coming up to me and just being like remember that one shift you like worked on that was like 15 years ago and this happened and i'd be like no i don't like remember that at all. <laughs> but if they asked you about a particularly atrocious customer that you had to wait on that was rude to everybody yeah. in the place you'd probably be like oh yeah i, and then I have, have a, story a few there. of those like just like stored in my memory right. bank and it's not it's just more so like the the ones that are like completely ridiculous that i'm just like i can't even believe that that's a real person but i but with that mentality like i totally understand why they'd be like i don't remember that like at this point it's 25 years ago now yeah. and you know like skeet is working all the time so i just like mm -hmm. you know how do you you know expect him to remember things like Matthew, I'm sure, is yeah. like, I don't know what he's done lately, but um, you did mention this about uh, Matthew Lillard, and I, and I, and I did want to uh, just talk about it a little bit more, is that in mm. the original script, Stu was like a very nothing character, like just very two-dimensional, and yeah. everything, like, because he did all these ad-libs and stuff, but even like his personality and just like the nuances that he brings to the character, he's like the most, I mean, other than like anyone in the like legacy like big three is like the the mm -hmm. one character that everyone is obsessed with and people think that like Stu is the best killer out of everyone i disagree personally i don't think mm -hmm. that that makes him not a good killer but it's mm -hmm. just in terms of the character he's definitely like really high up there because i don't even think that like scream would be the same thing if it wasn't for matthew being Stu in that way because i mean mm -hmm. it could have been yeah. it, you know i mean just in terms of, of who we found out was the stab cast um, from the new movie was Vince Vaughn, uh, who played Stu. So, you know, imagine imagine Vince Vaughn playing Stu. Which, I mean, oh I'm sure God. that would have, like, had its own little um, eccentricities like, as well. But um, Post-swingers. Like, that's yeah. insane. But anyway, go on. <laughs> Post Psycho reboot, my God! Uh, no, this no. Like the he was in his thirties. Uh, nineteen ninety eight. Oh, okay. So it would have been so. Pre stab was made in ninety seven. Uh, when was Stab made? I I don't know because it no Stab was ninety eight. Um, okay, so around the time. It, you well, I mean, Bates, yeah, it would have come out at the, the same time. <laughs> I always forget, that like, because Scream 2 takes place two years after Scream 1. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. So him and Luke Wilson? <laughs> that would have been Luke interesting. Luke yeah. <laughs> um, we're getting ahead of this movie, though. But, yeah, you were saying. We, we are. Sorry. Was I saying? I don't remember. We should just move on to the next thought. All I was, all I was saying okay. was that. Uh, Matthew Lillard's know, performance. He did his good. His irreplaceability. He did good. Yeah. He, he did good. And everybody did. I can't imagine... Uh, every, uh, again, like through the years, like more and more comes out about like how much input and where the input went for these uh, young actors playing these characters, predominantly, you know, like the core group. And um, it, it makes it so like, OK, these choices were made and that's ultimately what ended up on screen. Had those choices not been made or had, you know, different choices been made yeah. by another actor, it would have been a, it would have been a completely different. I mean, but, but even like going to the casting because Drew Barrymore. Yes was going to yep. like she was 
asked to play Sidney Prescott. And it wasn't until she yeah. read the script and just like, no, I think I identify with this character more. Mm. And it's like, obviously, like Sidney now has grown to be like this huge, larger than life character, final girl. But just mm. imagine that if it hadn't been Drew Barrymore playing Casey, I don't know how that scene would have resonated the same because I like so much right. of like why that scene is successful, not just for like kind of the twist of, you know, the, the big face on the poster being yes. the first to get killed off is just like, mm -hmm. I don't know if like another actor could have sold it that way. Cause, cause, cause I, like it, it comes down to not only her performance, which is mm -hmm. like probably like one of the best performances of the movie uh, yeah. that only lasts for the first 10, 13 minutes, but also sure. just the, the, the fact that, you know, it is this big name and like that was like kind of just like the showing that like anything could happen in these movies. Absolutely. And, and it worked. It totally worked. I mean, it worked on me. I was like, oh, we're getting the leading lady in the first shot. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're off and running. And then the scene starts happening and I'm like, what is going on? And, and then mm -hmm. by the end of the scene, I'm like, she's going to get away though. That she's going to get saved. I like, mean, it almost I mean, she's looks literally, like it. <laughs> it. She almost does. Yeah. But, and even as he's, but even as she's being dragged away, I mean, number one, I'm really, I still, that's another thing about this movie that, that, that I, I love the fact that like on repeat viewings, that opening scene hooks me right into the emotionality of it all because I'm not sitting here going, going, whoa, or anything like that about this kill. I am so scared for her. I am so sad for her. There is a tragedy to it because she's trying to scream for her mother. And I, I remember everybody at the time in the 90s was like, she should have thrown the phone. And I'm like, she wasn't thinking. <laughs> she was, you know, you're in nightmare like mode and everything like that. Stop criticizing her. But I think it was also in addition to her star power, in addition to the performance, which is great and stood the test of time thus far. And I think will continue you know for for all the film history um there's also just kind of like what i think drew barrymore's screen presence uh like uh, at large you know like in the greater picture of things like she is a naturally sympathetic person mm -hmm. like i i've never seen drew barrymore in i've seen her in movies i don't like i've never not liked her I've always been, even even if like she's struggling with say an accent or you know she wasn't given the proper direction, yeah. um, I'll still just see her heart, you know, just like uh, on screen. She always she always offers up uh, her own brand of emotionality yeah. that she certainly lent to this movie. So no matter what my criticisms are for her picking up the phone and talking to a stranger while she's alone in the house at night, you know, or, you know, not throwing the phone or, you know, what have you, any number of things that she could have done differently that she didn't. Yeah. Um, I, I don't walk out of that scene blaming her for them. The most, the strongest thing no. is just the impact of the loss of life, which is also uncharacteristic of many films in the slasher genre. So that's another thing I mean, that I think. I, and I was going to say, like, not only just the, the genre, but even of this franchise, because I'm just trying to think outside of the original. <laughs> and I don't want this to sound like, I know that this sounds like I'm very, like, anti-sequel, <laughs> which I'm not. I love all of the Scream movies. But, I, but just in terms of, like, outside of this movie, there isn't that emotionality with any of the deaths, really. Like, I'm trying to think. But, I mean, like, other, like, besides, um, you know, especially Casey, but, you know, even Tatum. Mm -hmm. 
and to oh. and to, to some point like Kenny as well. Um, but I just like going into Scream Two. It's just it's almost like it's more of just like more blood, more like I can just see like <laughs> Mustafa Cad. <laughs> well, I think because also once you start making sequels and yeah. once something, I mean, it had already kind of like headlined this new era i mean everybody has talked about it but we can mention it it had headlined this and 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 kind of initiated this ripple effect of copycat movies that are like okay all we need is like a young teen cast and we'll just have them standing in a row (laughs) or have them flank the star or whatever and uh we'll have like a mystery killer and you know and then we'll just have them all like run around and everything like that and sometimes it worked better than others but i I don't think anything ever really equaled scream but in the sequels the the challenge is to bring a similar feel but also to refresh it and make it Something like one of the things, and I, w- I won't delve into it, but one of the things that I'm very grateful for in the first sequel is the acknowledgement of the fact that you are now in a sequel. So yeah. rules are different. And, um, well, that's another thing this movie, if we have to criticize anything, actually, the first movie, uh-huh. uh, the legacy of the rules. Um, <laughs> because I know you and I have seen many, many, uh, yeah. not even just a slasher movie, but any kind of horror movie where there might be a heroine, you know. Uh, a final girl, if you will, um, mm-hmm. who does not follow the rules as executed or you know exhibited by Randy to the party of drunk people. I think the only exception uh, that I uh, kind of, or the, the only kind of like allowance I grant him is number one, he's a kind of a know-it-all and he likes to, you know, there's there's a bunch of people in the room who are like going, "There's the blood, it's too red," when there's no blood on the screen, and they, you know, <laughs> so he's he's obviously got you know some people who aren't. The, the horror fan that yeah. he is. So I, I think mean, this, like, for Randy, that's like, that's like his time to be like the cool kid. Yeah. Um, because, you know, like, I, I mean, at least in the, in the way that he was written in the screenplay, like, I don't think that, you know, I don't, not that like Jamie Kennedy in either of those, like the movies that he did uh, where yeah. he was alive, um, uh, you know, came off as like someone who is like really suave or anything, like at least like compared yeah. to like someone like Billy. Um, he, you know, he seemed like not not necessarily like a nerd, but I mean, like someone who probably was this expert in a certain field of horror movies. And that's kind of like where he became very popular. So it was almost like, like, he's kind of like Gail Weathers in that way, where it's just like, yay, people are getting killed. I'm going to go do what I do best. And with Randy, <laughs> it's like, people are like, people are getting killed. Like, I'm going to go and do what I do best. So mm-hmm. they like each, you know, are similar in a way that they brought their expertise and people That's were true. drawn to that. So I think like for yes. in, in like Randy's mind, he was like, people are like listening to me now. Like I'm like the center of attention <laughs> in this room. Uh, and it was just like just eating it up. Um, but yeah. in terms of the rules, because I mean, like we already see that like they don't actually mean anything because Sydney herself loses yes. her virginity and still survive. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I and I see this a lot, like, as my, my sign-off in my videos is, like, I'll be right back. But, um, you know, people, <laughs> people would be like, no, you're never supposed to say I'll be right back because you, you won't be. But it's, like, literally, like, there's so many, even in, in Scream, there's, uh, like, right after mm-hmm. we have the scene of the rules and Dewey comes out to the, the van and, and uh-huh. invites Gail on the walk and she goes out and she just turns to Kenny and she's like, I'll be right back. So it's like right off the right off the bat, she's ignoring the rules, and Gail lives. So it's just showing that, like, like that's that's the whole idea of Scream. It's just like you're subverting yeah. the rules, and I don't, and I think that like a lot of people don't get that. 
I don't want to say that yes. they, don't, they don't understand it, but I, I just think that it's like it's it's an irony of these movies that, that I think yeah. people might take a little too literally when when they're thinking about yes. the rules. Um, Absolutely. I have a friend actually. I've done a few like uh, small gathering screenings uh, the past two years uh, with some friends. Uh, really, the past year. And um, we, we, for a time, we were watching only kind of like low-budget horror slasher movies, um, like from the 60s and 70s, titles that nobody's heard of. And I had a friend, Caroline, who just kept <laughs> just kind of screaming at the screen, just kind of like, oh, so wait, so she's the virgin. So she's the one who's got, I mean, treating it like it's an actual run. I'm like, you have to understand, those aren't actual rules. <laughs> Kevin Williamson <laughs> wrote a byline, you know, like for, for like something, a soapbox for a character to stand on and kind of like, you know, extol, like these are the rules and everything like that of like, because it's entertaining and everything, but you can't take them that seriously. Like sometimes a girl can sleep with a guy and survive, you know, yeah. um, maybe the guy won't, but <laughs> you never, <laughs> there's I mean, a legacy it, of these characters. Yeah. And I, and you know, they get in more into in the sequels where they're just like, you never know, like I might be the one to, you know, get killed or, or something. So it's there. Mm -hmm. you, you can't follow the rules. Like the rules are, that's the thing with this franchise. Like the rules are always shifting and evolving. Mm -hmm. um, I did want to mention, What's that? <laughs> it's the millennium. It's the millennium. <laughs> millennium. It's incidental. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I did want to mention, because we've talked about this before, you and I, but because I did just mention it when Dewey comes to um, invite Gail for the walk, but we see this twice in the movie, which I think is just oh. like the stupidest thing, but I love it for like how ridiculous it is. Um, because we see uh. it when Dewey comes to like bang on the door, because he does it in such like an aggressive and like surprising yeah. way but then there's also the scene when when billy arrives at the party and he's just like hiding behind the door and he like yeah. jumps out and he's like that and it's just like yeah. that is not like a normal like human response like like i would expect if billy came to the party he would just kind of like saunter up to the doorstep and be like hey sydney i was hoping we could like talk or whatever but he's just like that <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's, I think also just like maybe Billy's such an ass that like he's probably thinking, oh, it's been a while since there's been a jump scare. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, well, I mean, he is own mind, making a real life horror mind. movie, so maybe that was yeah, his totally. But even so, like with 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 uh, Dewey just being like, hey, I want to go for a walk, and it's <laughs> we talked about this, and you know, we made a correlation. There's a, it's not a Treehouse of Horror episode of The Simpsons. Yeah. Um. Oh think, no, no, it's. It's a, a sideshow Bob. Uh, I th it might. I don't know. I don't there, it's, it's the Cape one where no, but they're like one, making fun of Cape Fear, and they and the Simpsons yeah, family goes okay, into the, the witness protection program. So they're living right. on a boat that Bob. Right. Um, I think he like untethers, and they go down the river. He's like planning to kill Bart and the family right. or whatever. But like Bart's on edge because he you know like they're in the witness protection program because Sideshow Bob is coming after them. <laughs> and I hope people know what The Simpsons is and, and watch it to understand this reference. But yeah. <laughs> um uh but Homer like comes barging into Bart's room and he's like yes. got a butcher knife or not a butcher knife, but like a kitchen knife. A carving a knife. A carving yeah, knife a and a tray knife. of brownies. He's like, hey Bart, you want a brownie? And it's and it's just like that ah! same kind of mentality of just like <laughs> Like dad, like I'm like I'm really scared. And he's like, oh, that, I'm sorry. How how foolish of me. And then he like leaves, comes back a second later with and he's with wearing a hockey mask and like brandishing yeah. a chainsaw, which is like 
actively live. And he's like, yes. wait, Bart, want to see my new hockey mask and chainsaw? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and, it, like, ah! and that and just like, like oh. yeah, that reminds me of in Scream when those characters are like, hey, we need to do a jump scare just, just because, just for shits and gigs. Yeah, yeah, that that's yeah. a great uh, satire yeah. of of what those moments are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, in addition to that, let me see. Is there anything else that like stood out to me in this particular screening? I feel like I might want to consult my notes. If you have anything to say, go what, for it. Okay, <laughs> how many times have you seen Scream? Dear God. It's probably triple digits. I don't know. Okay. But I love how <laughs> I you always I, have to like rewatch I, it. I mean, like I didn't rewatch. I mean, I saw it. Uh, actually, just before the new movie came out, I actually did a marathon of one, two, three, four, which uh, I've never done. So that was the last time I watched Scream, mm-hmm. and then the next day went and saw Five. But um, at this point, just because I always have it like on in the background, or like if I'm editing for you know a video, I might do. So it's in the hundreds for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe yeah. I'll ask you like, who's your favorite character in this movie? Not even if they're like multi. <sighs> Uh, like franchise appearances like just of uh, in the body of this movie like who do you that's like who do you like to ask me who are you who are you who how okay who's your favorite and who are you of of yeah Yeah, i never answered the who are you i never told everybody a little bit more about myself no um what's your favorite pizza topping eddie i don't know it depends on what mood i'm in i will say i think the most redeemed (laughs) Uh, that makes unsubscribe all these I'm leaning into pepperoni because it's basic, but it gets the job done. But I have to say, Scream, (laughs) um, I think actually, I don't do favorites really, really well. So I'm going to (laughs) subvert and just modify your question and answer a question I can't answer. I think the most redeemed character actually for me is Tatum. uh, Because I remember when I saw the movie the first time, all that stood out to me were kind of like Tatum's uh, trip-ups, like the mistakes she made, like the like the fact that like, okay, <laughs> Sydney is, <laughs> Sydney's come over to spend the night. This, it was already kind of like a tentative situation. It was like, okay, we're just doing this to like be safe and everything like that. We're going to watch Tom Cruise. If you pause it just right, you can see his penis. And, <laughs> and then she gets viciously attacked by a killer in her home. <laughs> She thinks it's her boyfriend. He's been incarcerated, or he's at least been not incarcerated. I don't know about incarcerated, but whatever the terminology is, he's he's in police custody. That's what it is. And um, mm-hmm. she's left to her, you know, to, to, to go over to Tatum's now to try and feel safe. And like a normal teenage girl, uh, which she's laying on the bed, like in the fetal position on her side, uh, Sydney is. And Tatum's sitting there like playing with, you know, a stuffed animal of some sort with her hair bobbing around on top of her head. <laughs> talking about like, um, so do you think he really did it? <laughs> <You know? laughs> Sydney's just like, I don't know. I mean... You know, just talking in this kind of tone of voice. And Tatum's not reading the room at all. She's just like, he was destined to have a flaw. I knew he was too perfect. And I'm just like, she almost got slaughtered! (laughs) (laughs) Granted, Ghostface is like one of the clumsiest, like, killers in the the entire slasher, like, you know, uh, genre. Mm -hmm. So, subgenre. So, I mean, at least she's got... But Sydney doesn't know that. This was her first encounter. So, um... (laughs) So I remember thinking that, and also little things like uh, the the Richard Gear gerbil story and everything like that. I'm like, wow, this is really sensitive. Like talking to I feel like because I, I <laughs> to like, your even friend. listening to like the commentary 
it's funny that like Kevin Williamson even talks about those lines, like or like the the Richard yes. Gere thing, and I think the Tom Cruise thing, and and he said like he got like a lot of shit for putting those lines in the script, and yeah. they're like those are never gonna work, but then they went in there anyway. So I almost feel like is Tatum an extension of Kevin Williamson? Well, probably all of them are, but certainly, yeah. certainly yeah. she is. <laughs> but the thing is, in recent years, it it hasn't been like, it hasn't taken that long either. But I remember for like maybe that first decade or so, Tatum was almost kind of branded among me and my contemporaries as one of the worst best friends like, really? in film history. Well, because she just seemed to not, I don't know, she just didn't, I, I, we kept waiting, I think, for Sydney, And I think we were overtly sympathizing with Sydney. As I've grown older, I've kind of seen where Tatum is reaching for her. Her. And there's some things you just can't understand if you're not inside the experience. Also, I realize like it's been a year since Sydney's mother has been killed. We have no idea what Sydney has been like this mm-hmm. past year. And I'm not saying she should get over it like you know, like Billy tells her. The way the cookie saying, crumbles. Moms get murdered. But, uh, <laughs> <Baby town. laughs> Idiot. But um, I'm just saying one crumbly cookie. <laughs> Actually, I, mean, I, don't, no, I forget okay, what the line uh, is in Scream. The the the, the cookie. He's just like it's a bad dad. analogy. Yeah, yeah. No, well, no. When he's sitting, yeah, when he's sitting there, just kind of like, I mean, I just you just haven't been the same since searching her eyes for like some kind of since your mother died. Your mother. I I just yeah. want my girlfriend <laughs> back because I'm a boyfriend. We'll get to Skeet Ulrich, but um, no, but just with um Tatum. Uh, I think I've seen her trying. I see her trying to make Sydney face the 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 potential truth about her mother, like the possibility that her mother might not have been a saint, and you know, and maybe she was just a very lonely woman. Like those are the lines that really resonate with me now, and also her protection of Sydney, yeah, like, like in the face of because I was going to say what I like see that. from Tatum. Like I don't, I mean. I never saw any of that stuff that that you used to see that apparently you yes. since changed over. Because I always saw like she's doesn't have a filter. Like she just says what she needs to say. Yeah. But she does go about it like when she's saying that stuff to Sydney. I mean, maybe not the the like I knew he like was destined to have a flaw, <laughs> but the on the porch when it's just like maybe your mother like really what like you know, she's tiptoeing around it. She's not being insensitive no. by any means. No. Um, but she, you know, she doesn't have a filter. She's there to mm. stick up for Sydney. She's very protective of her. And those are qualities mm. that, you know, I think that if this was any other franchise or uh, that Tatum was in and wasn't standing next to Sydney Prescott, like Tatum would yeah. be the final girl, it, like mm. hands down, because she is like, just like, like has so much depth as a character and we don't see that in any other friends and like and like any of the the movies i would say uh, you know if i had to find someone who matched that just in terms of like a best friend you know possibly Mm -hmm. sarah michelle geller in i know what you did last summer but i mean that's Mm. maybe not the, the most fair comparison just because i think that sarah michelle geller is like up here well like jennifer love hewitt just in terms of like the character that we get is down here um yeah but you know we can talk about that movie another time i think yeah. that <laughs> i can't tatum i'm is, not gonna argue tatum is not my point, favorite though. character yeah. of this movie okay I, Who's maybe she's my i i know i did a ranking uh of like in the scream one characters i think that she's probably yes. I, th- I think i put her in two but like number one i said is sydney and i think that in terms of all the movies that we've seen, uh, like all five movies, I think that the first movie is Sydney's strongest 
outing. And not to say that she gets oh. weaker with every movie, because I don't, like, she gets stronger with every movie, absolutely. Yeah. But I think that the first movie is, the is, it's kind of like the the most inside look we get into her. It's like the most time that was allotted into kind of just seeing mm. who this character was, where it's just like, maybe the mindset more, or just like how I look at it is, is like, as we went into the sequels, I think that like, we're so familiar with her strength that it's just like mm. we're we can safely just say like she'll be okay she's gonna she's gonna yeah. be good no matter what whereas like this movie i actually like you feel like oh my god like you know is she gonna get out of this i mean yeah obviously not on like <laughs> the the 700th time you've seen it but you know you there's a vulnerability to her mm. performance with nev campbell that you, I think that by the second movie starts, to, it's like completely shed. Um, but it's, it, sure. you see it a lot here. Uh, and by the third movie, she's just like, I'm done with your bullshit. Like, I've heard it all before. Like, like, what are yeah. we doing? <laughs> yeah, this is, I, I would never criticize like where she is in her particular arc, you know, I mean, overreaching or like franchise arc movie to movie, because I think it's handled pretty well throughout every single one of them. But in in this movie, I think, um, yeah, it's probably the most varied and complex because she has the most growing to do in probably the most limited amount of time. Um, Did we find out? You you didn't tell me who you were, which. Oh, who I. Oh, who I am. Who who do you identify with? Oh, my God. God, you tell me who you, because I don't know. <laughs> I mean, okay, so here's the thing. Like, I inwardly yeah. think that, that I am Gail Weathers. Um, and I had this uh, conversation. I, I, I did a, a guest podcast with uh, Scream with Ryan C. Showers, and he asked me this question. Oh and gosh. I had to say, like, you know, I think that I'm a Gail. Like, I just feel like inwardly. I just like yeah. I, I identify with that, but then like a lot of people are like, "Oh, you're such a Randy." So I just think like, well, maybe like perception is reality, and I'm actually Randy. But you know, like I was saying before, like they're not. I mean, they're very different people, but they're similar in, uh-huh. like in, in in a certain regard of just like their their you, their specialty. So you know, maybe you are Gail and Randy's would be love child. That's who could you, you imagine are. that ship. <laughs> That shit bent out. <laughs> Gay, what are we? Gaily? <laughs> Gaily! I love it! <laughs> well, it's better than Randy. She would want more space. She'd want yeah. more space in the combined name, yeah. and Randy would give it to her. Um. It's, 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 it's better than Rancid, uh, which is the, the portmanteau yeah. of, of Randy and Sydney. <laughs> I will never ship those two, but we can talk more about that when we talk about Scream 2. Sure. Um, in the first movie, who am I? Um, I mean, I'm, I don't I don't identify really with the kids anymore now that I'm older. <laughs> so Principal probably, Henry? <laughs> no, I don't want to be him because I would never... If I were a principal, I'd like to think I'd never drag, no matter what my students had done, mm-hmm. no matter how insensitive they were, no matter what boundaries they crossed, I'd like to think I didn't wouldn't like take scissors and drag them down or like grab like a young girl's chin and just like oh god (laughs) which was actually done on purpose to kind of like get you immediately suspecting him like oh he seems to have like you know a real kind of physical but even like there's a there's a thing there with showing sheriff burke because he kind of like gave a look like what's that about yeah if you watch the outtakes for for the movie there's there's like a line just like so, Sydney, d- does your principal always touch you inappropriately like that? 
Um, but um, I don't know. I, I obviously, I mean, in my friend group, I do feel like Randy a lot of the time. Yeah. Just because no matter what the topic is, like, I either know everything about, or I mean, I, everything, you know, I'm exaggerating for emphasis. Yeah. But I, I tend to know uh, a way more, let's put it that way, than everybody else around me about a topic or way less. And I know there are some t- some topics that Randy just can't converse on, but we never see him converse on those because they don't interest him. And he's in a horror movie, so he's going to talk about what he loves best. So yeah. I'm probably Randy in the first okay. movie anyway. Okay. Yeah. And also, I mean, yeah, in high school, I was always like getting crushes on people who... You know, it was unrequited, but, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so probably Randy, okay. I guess. All right. Anything else to add to Randy? Because I, I, we're just making our way through the characters here, so. Um, I, uh, I mean, Jamie Kennedy, again, another one who was cast who uh, kind of meets, he's one, I think he might be the only person in the movie who kind of meets Matthew Lillard's energy in that uh, video store scene mm-hmm. where it's just like, oh, there simple formula i mean his face goes full cartoon uh, <laughs> and uh it's totally but it, i never because they're both in the same headspace and they're both they're both good actors they're yeah. both in the same space sharing the space it's not like either one of them is chewing the scenery i think that's a term that gets abused a lot because chewing the scenery isn't ju- like just being theatrical it's overacting and doing it badly like being a ham actor and neither of them are that i feel like they're entertaining as fuck it's like a vaudeville routine yeah. <laughs> they feel like <laughs> real people to too like it, that's that's the thing like that everyone in this movie feels like a real person um yeah but i know that um when skeet ulrich uh came on board he like specifically was like i guess just like what why are these two acting like such yes. jackasses like do they not understand the movie and then like yeah. i guess he like he says like he figured it out the first day like they they took him aside like no ski like this is like a comedy it's, it's a i love comedy. that too yeah <laughs> i love it when actors who are like young actors are like in uh, a, a movie that's like you know kind of supposed to be exhibited for their age bracket you know mm-hmm. and um they because the same thing i heard a similar story about shannon doherty when she actually went to a screening of heathers yeah and the first thing she said is the credits were rolling and the lights came up and everybody applauded she seemed really upset and people were just like shannon what's wrong you know are you upset with the way you came off the movie it was a really good movie what's wrong it's just like nobody told me it was a comedy and just <laughs> ran <laughs> and i'm like Awesome, because you were too invested. You took it so seriously. Like, you, it meant something to you. And yeah. she grew, you know, she, she, but because also I think when she read the script, th- you know, film, there's the script, there's the, the, the film you write, the film you shoot, and then the film you edit. And the one yeah. you edit is the one that ultimately gets delivered to the people. But we don't know what it's like to sit with no prior knowledge, you know, unless no one, somebody has never seen, never heard of Scream and they read the scary movie script by Kevin Williamson, the original one, they're not going to know what it's like, you know, for those yeah. actors. I actually talked to someone uh, to a few days ago because we, we were talking about Scream or they, they asked me about it and I'm just like, oh, you've never seen it? And they're like, <laughs> no, but I've seen Scary Movie. No! Like, okay. <laughs> oh, my God. I I've know. met many many young young people who likes and even liked scary movie and i'm like did it make any sense like yeah it was funny 
And I'm like, and then you saw Scream. What was that like? And they're like, it's good. And I'm like, Although oh, okay, I, well. I do love the line where, where he comes out. He's like, mm, ketchup. Same stuff my mom puts in her spaghetti. Yeah. <laughs> baby. There's a baby after that, too. I like Scary Movie, yeah. too, a lot. I haven't like, seen it in I mean, so the, long. <laughs> maybe maybe yeah, maybe it's I need been to a while. that one. Um that that the first one was strong. I remember I, I think that one might hold up. There might be a few jokes here and there that we can't make anymore, but you know. <laughs> I I would still I think I'd still enjoy a sitting. Okay. I don't know. Maybe we should discuss that at maybe, some point. Maybe, maybe. Well, tell us what you think. Okay. But um but okay, <laughs> get it, moving on to Skeet Skater. Yes. Skeeter. <laughs> I've never. And that you know what his real name is. I, I actually have to look way. this up because like no, I, what is I, it? I can't remember. But it's not ski. Like it's like it's something really like basic. I, I should say. Um, Bob Jones. I, it could be, but no. Go go on. Okay. I'll look it up while you talk. Okay, while you're looking up Skeet, I'll discuss the Skeeter. Um, I will never get that out of my head now. But um, poor Skeet. He deserves more respect than that. Um, <laughs> I adore... I, his his actual performance is probably the one I adore watching the most subsequently. Like, Because uh, he really annoyed me that first time I watched the movie until I realized he was the killer. And then all of a sudden I stopped feeling like I was watching a young actor just kind of navigate his way through. And I felt like I was watching a, perf- you know, a performance. And um, it made me... But subsequently, like, watching it, you get to see, like, uh, all those little details that are worked in with him. Like, it looked like he was shushing Stu um, about, like, slicing and dicing when they're all sitting in the infamous scene where they're all sitting around, like, the uh, the, the, fountain, the school grounds yeah. and um, outside the fountain. And he's just like, um, I thought it was a fountain, but I, I for a second I was like, have you seen this wait, movie? Am I just imagining actually? that? <laughs> I have seen this movie, but sometimes... You misremember things and you create something and you're just kind of like, hey, those two were married, right? And you tell me, Eddie, just because they're a man and a woman and they're heterosexual doesn't mean they're married. And I'm like, sorry. But um, <laughs> anyway, um, so they went sitting at the fountain and he's sitting there saying like, hey, it's called tact fuck rag. And um, you think he's just being protective because, you know, Sydney's actually connected to someone who was gutted and mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's why she's trying to wrap her mind around like how do you gut someone and so you think oh he's just being like a caring boyfriend or whatever he's, and then you realize in subsequent viewings he's worried that Stu's gonna slip up because Stu is yeah. probably the least reliable cohort to have yeah, I, it when you're murdering that's another people. thing like why like <laughs> I mean, you know, clearly, I think that, like, Stu did a lot of the heavy lifting for him, for sure. And it's like, if you find someone, like, as depraved as Stu, that's just like, okay, good. Because, I mean, like, it would probably be a real challenge to go around the high school and be like, hey, you want to murder some people with me? (laughs) Like, that, you know, that might not work in his favor. But, um, yeah. But there is the scene that we were talking about earlier where he is like, I just want my girlfriend back. Because he does the, like, stupid and it's like, yes, you yes, think yes. like on the first watch when you're saying that, it's just like he's saying that because it's like he's upset his girlfriend. But when you look at it again, it's just like, no, he's saying stupid because he like potentially like upset her to the point where his plan is not going to like go the way that he needed it to now. And even even with uh, Matthew Lillard, like when he invites them to the party and he's like, hey, you guys yeah. bring snacks. And he's just like, Hurr! or whatever he does, like outside of the <laughs> 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 yeah it's like a weird it's like a winning kind of uh, it's like a horse 
or a, or, a, or a pantomime. I always thought a pantomime of a chainsaw and a yes kind of maybe like, you know, that was another Texas hybrid. chainsaw massacre reference that I missed. Maybe. <laughs> 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 if he would have done at the end we would have we would have nailed yeah. it but um no but getting back to the scene uh that you mentioned though the the one uh the luke wilson scene yeah. um <laughs> um but when skeet does it see that's the thing is so many people remember even i like tend to remember like the luke wilson one but what i really really adore about that scene is you think also Maybe because Tatum was walking a tightrope and not really knowing, like, what's the right thing to say around Sydney. Maybe everybody does. And that's why he's fucking up so bad, not understanding that uh, her mother, you know, your mother leaving town isn't the same as her mother dying. But when you realize he's a serial killer <laughs> and um, and he's playing the part of the boyfriend and he's trying to do this scene to motivate her to sleep with him. The last thing he's going to understand is compassion because he's not equipped with that. So, Nat, of course my mom leaving town is the same as your mom dying, you know? Like, I don't understand mm-hmm. how your mom being in a box and my mom leaving town is is at all different, you know? Um, and even and he, he even just tries to, like, I feel like reaching for the emergency cord uh, is just kind of like, I, just, I, I want my girlfriend back. You know, like, I, it's all about you. I'm, I'm caring. I feel like he's trying so hard to play like a Luke Perry in 990210 in his mind yeah. or something. Well, it's, it's almost he's like he's Dexter miserably. in, in the situation where it's just like such a big part of, of Dexter sure. is like, how do I appear as a normal person while also yeah. being a serial killer? Um, and if Dexter were really bad at it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she, I just love the reaction shot because like, the, like there's Nev uh, as Sydney just going like, like one at take after another is just like this baffled kind of, are you serious? And then she just leaves. And so I, I feel like the stupid is really just like, God damn it. Like I should have, I could have scripted that better. I could have, yeah. you know, like it's, yeah, it's, it's like almost like an actor, like, you know, after a take, like criticizing his own performance. I I, I think it's absolutely well, He incredible. also does this thing, like we see like a lot of these like leers that he makes throughout the movie. Like not just the one oh, that, yeah. like with Stu, but um, uh, there's one towards the end when they're up in the bedroom that he actually like added in because he was he didn't even tell Wes Craven about it but he like looked at the yeah. door and then like went back yeah. to the conversation he's like did you see what I did there because I know that Stu's coming in there and he's gonna like you know fake murder me and they're like yeah like yeah. keep that in and even the scene at the beginning and I always like go back to this because I because I don't think like anyone was talking about this until I brought it up is the fact that Billy going to Sydney's house at the beginning of the movie there, like after the Casey Becker murder, is that they were kidnapping Neil because Neil's wearing the right. same clothes that he wears in that scene that he we mm-hmm. see in the end when they drag him out of the basement when he's tied up. Yeah. Um, and I look at that scene now and I see it because he like goes in there and he turns on the radio and he kind of yeah. like has this look that he's just like, you know, it's almost like I know that Stu's in the other room, like potentially yeah. uh subduing neil prescott at this point but it's like you hear i'm trying yeah. to like turn on the music and you know be and do this thing where it's like i'm you know propositioning my girlfriend or just you know you know trying to get her to make out with me and you yeah. know when you see that it like on the original viewing you're just like oh yeah he's um you know just kind of doing it to because you know because he wants to hook up with her. And even, I think, yeah. that, you know, even when people go back and watch that again, they, they're they not really cognizant of the fact that, like, this, what, there was a greater plan to that and and having, like, more layers to their scheme. 
of like this is yeah. where they're kidnapping the father. So it's like it's kind of really like I like to think I know that like they apparently didn't have these conversations with Wes Craven. I mean, no one asks about that specific scene, but I think even in that moment, it's like he looks shifty and it's like, you know that he's he's up to something, just like turning on the radio too. Because that was something I noticed mm-hmm. recently because you hear the click of the the yeah. the radio turn on before the, the Don't Absolutely. Fear the Reaper uh, cover comes on. <laughs> also, before I forget, uh, Skeet Ulrich's uh, birth name is... <laughs> Brian Ray Trout. Oh. Brian Trout. <laughs> Ray. Brian sounds... Ray Trout. I know, I know, but I'm just thinking like first name, last name, because you know, like in school, he was Brian Trout. Brian Trout. Like, oh. That's. What did. Oh, wow. What a last name. I mean, his parents can't really be blamed for that, but I mean, they could have changed yeah. it. <laughs> that, could, that couldn't have been easy. Well, I understand yeah. why he went for Skeet. Was it? Yeah. Was do we know if Skeet was a nickname or I something no like idea. that? I mean, it, I, I, or... I'm not going to look it up now. You know, if anyone's listening okay. no, and you want to, you want to do a little yeah. bit more uh, research. You know, you you know where to to go. We're open to it. Yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I want to know. Uh, but um, uh, but uh, yeah, good name, Skeet Ulrich. Good name. Yeah. Um, also, uh, just a little incidental thing. Uh, people always kind of attribute his casting to like an echo of Johnny Depp in Night- Nightmare on Elm Street. And um, apparently, according to Wes, he didn't think he looked like Johnny Depp at all. He just thought he was the strongest actor. And it just seemed to be, I think maybe because also he was interacting with him as a person and maybe looking into Skeet Ulrich's eyes, his actual face mm-hmm. is not the same as looking into Johnny Depp's. He had, like, Wes has experience doing being around both of them and around their energies. Mm-hmm. And they're both very, very different actors to him. He just thought he was casting the strongest actor. Yeah. And then on screen, it looked like, oh, yeah. okay, I, great. <laughs> I mean, I think it's just one of those things that it just worked out to be very serendipitous uh, of the fact that, yeah. you know, like you have this character who's you know, homaging Glenn, uh, Johnny yeah, Depp from, yeah. from Nightmare on Elm Street in that way of, of yeah. uh, coming in through the, the window, uh, as it were. But uh, <laughs> yeah, who else we got? Uh, Gail and Gail. Dewey. Okay. Oh, sitting in a tree. Sitting in a tree. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, who should we lead with? I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, six of one, half a dozen of the other. I mean, we could talk about them okay. separately or we can talk about them together. But I feel like it, it, this is really the only movie in the franchise where they do kind of exist like as their own entity. Because, I mean, like moving forward, mm-hmm. they are pretty much like tethered together. For, for, for everything mm-hmm. else like like their storyline is so like heavily predicated on the other that it's just like their their romance is is the big thing so it's just like and that's something that's not even really introduced until maybe the midpoint of this movie so like really like I think that even yeah. like introducing us to these characters at the beginning of the movie like we don't really get a like kind of a, a full idea of who they are we just know that Gail's the bitch She's like this this yeah. cutthroat journalist who who will do anything. But you know, she is throughout the most of the movie. And like Dewey is just kind of doofy. Um yeah. and, and they just happen to come together and it was like yeah. like magic. So Yeah. Um I know uh the 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 turning point for Wes with Gail's character, he loved the line that Kevin Williamson wrote because he's like, now I know who she is, was um Move your fat tub of lard ass now! 
Um, he was just kind of like, oh, okay. Because he was, he, he was kind of, I guess he, when he first read the script, he was just kind of like, okay, she seems a little opportunistic, a little yeah. shallow, a little self-absorbed. But, oh, okay, she's a full And full that's like her, like that's really her first she line care. of the movie. Because before that, we just, we see her in the background <laughs> or on TV. But that's like right. the first instance where she really like enters the movie. And it's like right off yeah, the bat, right. just like, wow, you are just <laughs> atrocious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, one thing that I do really appreciate about her is, in addition to being an unapologetic like stone cold bitch, is I th- I don't think it's that that that's her only quality, and I think it's there in uh, Courtney Cox's performance. It's when she's um having her second confrontation after she gets socked by uh, Sydney. Yeah. And um, they're at the school, and she's just sitting there with the compact, looking at her shiner. <laughs> and, but she starts. Ta- they start talking. They start really talking off the record. And um, Gail's uh, talking about like how you know Cotton's uh, story, Cotton Weary's story, hasn't changed not one word and everything. Mm-hmm. And she's just like he admits to sleeping with your mother, yes. And then blah blah blah. And she breaks down all the details. And she sees the denial in Sydney's face, which Nev plays, plays wonderfully. And um, then she's just. But I love the 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 recognition in Gail's eyes, where she's just kind of like um, he killed my mother and he raped her and he you know and all that stuff and, and he's a terrible man butchered my mother yeah. and blah 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 and then she's just kind of like you're not so sure anymore are you mm-hmm. and the opportunism isn't there so much as the reporter you know like a, a genuine seeker of truth and a person who can actually see through people's bullshit yeah. and mm-hmm. I really appreciate that at that early stage with that character we also get like but she's also really damn good at her job it's a shame that she's that the, in the exact same scene it's capped with her talking about like if I'm right about this my I could save a, a man's life and there's Kenny going yeah, we could be a part of something. She's like, do you know what that could do for my book sales? But is like, that a there. shame? And she's is back. Is that a shame though? Because it's just like, I love that like, she is that multifaceted. <laughs> like she is like, so opportunist. Like she's first and foremost, and this is something we've seen like of Gail, like every movie, but it's just like, I'm here for myself, yeah. but I'm also here. Like there's also other things. Cause like at the end of the movie, like she didn't have to come back and save Sydney's life. Um, you know, she did that because yeah. she is, a good person yeah. like she, she's a I she agree. is a human uh yeah after all is said and done it's just that like you know she's she's real she's just like she's she just got thrown she just wants to go for it um <laughs> i don't think anybody's supposed to be i don't think the motivation for that line being written was yeah. to get us more on board with her but if somebody is more power I to you that, but like, i always see that <laughs> I, well i mean i think at one point like brooke shields was attached to to play this role i don't know oh my God. If that is actually like true or not, but it, that would so have been different. To, yeah, it's so hard to like th- like see this in any other way. Because I mean, like first of all, like it's Courtney Cox in 1996, so she was, you know, known as Monica at the time on Friends, yes, and this is yes. such a different role. And like you know, arguably, arguably, those are her two biggest roles, Gail and Monica, and it's like night and yeah. day. So it's just like for her to, yeah. you know, make that switch. And be yeah. this character. It's just like you don't like it's complete reversal. But at the same time, like right. there, there is more to her. Like she, she's such a complex character. And we start mm. to see like little bits of this in the first movie. Like it's we really see a lot of it in, in the sequel. Um, but I like that you know she isn't the main focal point of this movie. Obviously, Sydney no. is. So it's like I like Gail is my favorite character of the whole franchise. But I do, like I like that you know she is kind of peripheral for most of this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I like I don't need to see anything else from her. 
But what I like, because yeah. um, I feel like with, with her character, um, is just like the way that the story unfolds, which I really like because you have this backstory of mm-hmm. Maureen Prescott being murdered and Cotton Weary being uh, convicted of the crime and, and yada, yada, yada. And it's like, you know, in, in like a regular movie, that might be a piece of exposition that just goes on for a minute or two and just takes up screen time and slows the movie down. And it's just like exhausting. Cause I mean, like exposition is hard. Um, like, it, cause there's no, it's, yeah. you know, in a script, it's like having two characters come together, two or more, and just like discussing something that people already know about, or at least the two characters wouldn't know about. That's why like most of the time when you see a script or like watch a movie or something, it'll be someone explaining something to someone who doesn't know what's going on. Otherwise, you know, it's like, well, as you know, your mother was murdered yeah. last year and I'm the reporter who wrote a book <laughs> about it. Um, but, w- but what Kevin and I'm sure like Wes, cause you know, I haven't read the script as much as I've seen the movie. Um, what right. they do that that's so great is that the backstory of Maureen Prescott is kind of just like peppered into the the story of like mm. the first act or so because it's not until like forty minutes into the movie that we get the full story and it's done in such a way that it's like it it actually furthers the characters and it doesn't feel at any point like we're stopping the movie to explain what happened so it's like it's almost like a mystery in itself for the for the first 40 minutes is like what did happen to sydney and her mother because all we get mm-hmm. is like the line where where tatum's like oh they, they said it's the worst crime we've seen in in years like even worse than oh, right. and then like well it's bad <laughs> that's another example of tatum like walking the the tightrope but then even in, yes. the, in the principal's office when they're just like oh we've got sydney she was you know what's her face's daughter um, mm. but then we get Sydney when she goes home and she turns on the news and it's just like, just one year ago, uh, wife and mother, blah, 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 <laughs> was murdered. And it's like, we're slowly getting these pieces put together, but it's like, yeah. it's done in like the most organic way possible. That's just like it, the, the story feels real. It's, it's not like we're, we're just like, okay, well we need to fill you in on everything because you need to get up to speed of, of what's going on here. And that's something mm-hmm. that I miss in, in, I mean, like any horror movie, I feel like I feel like if you can write your movie that way, um, mm. then then you you already have a more successful movie. I agree. Yeah. Um, I I have absolutely nothing to add on top of that. I think you <laughs> I think you clinched it perfectly. Okay, well, okay, um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, in addition to that, uh, Dewey, um, if we're done with Gale, <laughs> you're done with Gale. We're done with Gale. Um, Dewey, uh, one thing that I appreciate uh, is the fact that, like, um, Dewey was used, you know, the the scary movie, the the Wayans scary movie (laughs) word to describe him as doofy, and he is doofy. One thing that I really appreciate to this day, though, even though I'm not scared of it anymore, (laughs) the first time I watched it, I remember um, I didn't suspect him as one of the red herrings once until... Um, that last hour of the movie when we're at the house, and it is the last hour, the party at the house. It feels so oh, much that shorter. scene is like it, it but goes, it goes on goes, for days. It, like they even said, oh my like, god, that, that was a nightmare because it, it took forever to 
Yeah. Well, yeah, that's it's the bulk of the movie, yeah. and it doesn't feel like it at all. But um, anyway, um, but when uh, after his, um, you know, you want to see my new chainsaw and hockey mask moment <laughs> um, with Gail, and he asks her uh, to go walking, and they they're going to start like you know taking another a turn off and off the path and everything, and he shines the flashlight on him, and he's just kind of like you're not scared, are you? And when he did that the first time I saw the movie, I was like, he's the killer. Holy <laughs> shit. He's just been like playing idiot like this entire time, almost like playing possum in plain sight. And now he's going to kill you. And I don't want it to happen, but because I kind of don't still don't like you, Gail, because they hadn't really she'd only manipulated him up until that point. They hadn't really started the romantic, yeah. you know, the sincere sincerity of their romance yet. Um, I only felt like, you know, she was making a buffoon out of him trying to get the, the information. I was, you know, I'm 25. I was 24 for a whole year. Um, but um, I I was terrified for her. And even, I, I, I was still kind of like, is the movie just trying to like still be humorous when he asks her like, you know what that constellation is? And she's like, no, what is it? He's like, oh, I don't know. So I asked you. <laughs> I was kind of like, oh, he's still doing it. Ew, this is so gross. I wonder but if that I was ad lib. Uh, I'd have to like look up the screen. It feels like it. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's an old joke. It's got whiskers on it, but I think um, <laughs> I I appreciate it. I think it's 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 cute because it's like banter, you know. Yeah. Like it it if if they're gonna like you know establish some kind of like romantic chemistry, that's a perfect way to do it. But I don't think I stopped um, suspecting him probably until he. Got the knife in the back. I thought maybe he was still faking it when he discovered uh, Mr. Campbell's... Uh, Campbell. I always say Campbell. Sid- Cindy Campbell, Sidney Prescott. Mr. Prescott's. <laughs> yeah. I mix up the, the, the way in scary movie, Anna Ferris and Nev Campbell. Anyway. Um, anyway. The car, he yeah. The car and, he, <laughs> and he acts all... You know, like whatever. I was like, oh my god, maybe he's faking it. And I, yeah, it was, it was a, it was. But finally, when I think like that was was such a great twist of the car being there as well. Because I mean, yeah, that's the thing with with these movies that I think like when you when you have to like understand the motive of the killers, there's always Mm -hmm. someone that they're trying to frame, and that's like especially when you look at the movie in retrospect. Because I mean, there are so many scenes where like Stu at the video store is like, yeah, I think it's the father, and yeah. Yeah. (laughs) tight close up like completely what they're doing so it's just like even like when uh, Sheriff Burke is like all those calls like they go to Neil Prescott's phone that when you see the car like that's like my mind when I first saw the movie even though I had like idiots telling me uh, it was Billy and Stu I'm just thinking like oh my god what's he doing there so it is like (laughs) it is such a great moment of like misdirection um that i but i never would have ever suspected dewey like he's just so lovable like you know it's never (laughs) until he put that flashlight on his face i was just kind of like it's it's never and there was a little and there's a little there's a little like it's not full music but the score does something when he does it it's like a pulse or something and i'm just like and because she's so like i mean even her her reaction is kind of like he's like you're not scared are you and she's like no, you know, I'm like, I'm like, you should be, um, cause I, I'm, you know, suspect any, everybody. Yeah. And also, like I said, like I'm the movie's bitch as far as like, if it's going to bait me to like suspect somebody, I'm probably going to suspect them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's pretty much been true, uh, of every installment in this franchise, certainly. So, um, yeah. 
Okay. I never know who the killer is. It is always a surprise. <laughs> we'll get we'll get more into that when we do yeah. when we do the other sequels. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> anything else you think that we missed before we get to some cherry picking? I think that's pretty much it. Like I, um, I don't know. I, yeah, thumbs up, folks. If you haven't seen it, sorry we spoiled uh... it for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm still I'm still unsure. You know, I mean, it's top yeah, three yeah, favorite yeah. horror movies, but I, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah, but still, um, you don't want to commit. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, let's get to the cherry picker. <laughs> So this is the portion of the podcast where we pick two characters, uh, one character each, uh, Eddie and I, of who we think deserve to die the most in the Mm. movie of which we're talking about. So Scream in this case, obviously. And what we're going to do is uh, let you vote on that uh, so then we can find out who deserve to die the most. And... Mm. I think, like, with Scream, it's really hard because, like, even the characters who, you know, like, on the surface, you would think deserve to die the most. I love every single person in this movie. Like, even, like, the more, like, peripheral characters, like, like the the Hembrys and and all that. Um, Like, everyone is just so good. I don't want anyone to die in this movie. Even the killers. Like, let them live on forever. Um, But if I had to pick someone, because, you know, we have to. Yes. I'm going to go for the kid. I don't know his name. I think maybe like expelled teen number two. Um, <laughs> maybe he's number one. I'll have to look on the, the uh, IMDb cast list. But my reasons, not for anything that had to do with his expulsion, like, you know, dressing up in the ghost face costume and running around the school. Like, that's funny. You know, that, that's, that's, not <laughs> gra- that's not grounds for death. But what okay. is, is the fact that that same kid shows up at the party later and you already mentioned this earlier he's the one that's sitting next to randy and he's criticizing mm. halloween for being having yeah. too much blood he's like the blood it's too red and it's just like no nope, yeah, why nope. do they do that first, of, first yeah. of all it's like no it's not like are we watching the same movie there's not a drip of blood to be found in <laughs> halloween so so i'm i'm choosing him to be the most deserving to die okay. because like a i mean criticizing you know one of the the best horror movies ever um mm-hmm. so there's that um grounds for death grounds yes. for death right there i don't know if there's any like yes. there's not really a lot to say about him because that's that's his biggest thing um, um well he also chimes in when um Stu makes the statement about like when do we see jamie lee's uh tits and he's just like yes 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 like like all frat boy and everything like that yeah i definitely want to see tits that's why i came i got a beer i'm a man yeah and it's just so oh god sure like, dude, we'll throw that in we get we'll it. throw we, that in there too we get it yeah. you're straight okay <laughs> so, <laughs> so that pisses me off i'm okay sorry. I'm so grounds for death your... you don't like you're criticizing <laughs> halloween and you're straight so <laughs> <laughs> i just like being so like and you know what everybody you know, going, back to the, know. going back to the expulsion maybe just like the whiny way in which he said i don't know maybe it's not even him maybe it's the other guy but just like it's not fair Oh, <laughs> I don't remember who it is. I don't like either yeah, of them whatever. at that point. Anyway, I think the other guy actually is... They're both is, at the party. Yeah, if, they're both at the party. No, they're, yeah, they're both at the party. But the other guy, I actually... I don't know. I like his performance better. Like, his reaction. Yeah. His, I just remember his face when Principal Hembry is, like, 
given them the business and i i just like his i think he's a better actor okay. well thank you for you thank you for like helping me make my case uh but i'll, I'll give the floor <laughs> no to you now all right my choice uh i i fell into like the same kind of like quandary is that the word yeah sure. that you yeah. did um in terms of just like there are even even the characters i dislike are so entertaining and i will never vote to kill someone who entertains me no matter what they do so I have to find someone who's worthy of death. And I think the person who annoyed me the most, which is usually probably going to be the factor from here on out. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know her name either, uh, but I call her Girl in Video Store. The one who interrupts uh, the conversation between Randy and Stu in the video store, who asks, what's the werewolf movie with E.T.'s mom in it? And my grounds for killing her is she doesn't know who D. Wallace is. You deserve to that's die. A sin. Yeah, and <laughs> that's a sin. Um, and she doesn't even know the title of the Howling. Like that is so. I mean, that's one of. If you don't know that, and also if you're, oh, I, I mean, okay. Oh, I have to calm down. Okay, yeah. I have to my notes down and just take a breath and just say. She interrupted a conversation to ask a dumb question because she doesn't know who a legendary actress is and she doesn't know the name of the damn movie that she wants. And also, maybe this is residual anger because I did used to work in a video store back in the days where, you know, you would go to a place to buy your VHS and DVDs eventually. Um, and I remember that some of the stupid questions I'd get asked, like, or even just people like, see, I'm, I'm, I'm putting all this on her, but I'm still want her to die because, because <laughs> of this. People would come in and be like, I don't know what the movie is and I don't know who's in it, but I know the cover's red. <laughs> You're like, red cover. Let's start with the A's. <laughs> you know, <laughs> maybe the genre. Do you know if it's drama, comedy, <laughs> horror? Like, um, it's kind of funny. Okay, comedy. Let's try comedy. But you know, like, oh dear God. Um. So yeah, she she that that's it. That <laughs> she yeah. deserves to die. Kill her. Yeah. Kill her. I don't. And also, she 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 just walked away. She did thank him, but then she just kind of like walked Fair. away. I love how like I'm I'm, not I love like Randy's. He's just like <laughs> had so little time for. He's just like howling horror straight ahead. Like, like <laughs> go on, get out of here. <laughs> I don't even know if he had that much disdain in his voice. He did seem rather helpful, but I would have had that disdain. That's yeah. how much I dislike her. It's just emotional recall from yeah. my days in the video store. So there you go. Okay. Girl in video store. <laughs> or expelled teen number two. <laughs> or, yeah. Or maybe we'll call folks. him like the blood is too red guy. That, <laughs> People just, will definitely just, so know we, Yeah, just to, 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 to highlight or emphasize the main reason why why he needs to die. So those are your picks. Right, right, right. So, I mean, <laughs> if you're if you're watching this on YouTube uh, or, you know, uh, listening to it, you can go to my YouTube mm -hmm. or Instagram or Patreon uh, and vote for this. If you would like to become a patron, pat Patreon supporter, patron, same thing. You can find me on there. We release these podcasts the previous Friday. Um, so that's the one benefit of being a patron, uh, or, and if you want to be able to have the RSS feed, I will link it in the descriptions below if you are watching this. And, uh, what are we doing next week? We're, we're coming back next week and we're going to have Valentine. 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 The, speaking of like movies that ripped off Scream 
from from the yeah. <laughs> even though it is oh, 2001 God. but we oh, I we can't have wait. we have a lot to, to talk about valentine and it's, we certainly do it'll be just it's... in time for the holiday so anyway uh thank you so much for <laughs> listening watching and we will be right back <laughs>